0: Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure.
1: Nicole is with us today for this edition of Better Roads, and we are going to only refer to her by the name of Nicole because Well, she's in a missionary in a part of the world where we need to exercise caution about revealing her identity. Now, that ought to make this interesting to you today to learn about this young lady and what she is doing. And, Nicole, uh, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Now, you are single and you're young i've discovered nicole that increasingly it seems to me everybody i talk to i think of is young but you are young (laughs) how old are you
0: i'm 28 i will be 29 next month
1: oh yes you know you're at that season of life where you you like to add and i will be this certain age
0: As long as I will, I'm not thinking about 30 yet. We're still
1: in denial about that. Oh, but. Yes. Oh, you know, 30 was a tough one for me. I felt like I was giving up my whole youth. I was, I was, a, I went through an early midlife crisis, I think when I hit 30, so I hope you do better than that. So. And then you get to a certain point in life, you no longer say what you will soon be an uh, age, you just kind of hang on to that one age, as long as you can. So. We well, have a fascinating testimony I want our folks to hear about today because, you know, like so many of us, you were planning on going in one direction and it wasn't as bad direction. You just felt like that was a direction you were to go in life. But somewhere in there, God said, oh, I think I have a different idea for you. So could you tell us about where you were headed and what that transition was?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have wanted to be, had wanted to be a doctor since I was five. That was my dream. Um, you know, my mom was a nurse. I loved medicine. I love science. I love public health. And so I went to the university with the specific focus on studying medicine. Um, I chose my university based on the medical school and I was excited and I got through three years, the three hardest years, um, (laughs) of college. And, um, I, you know, I had, I had really just started my relationship with Jesus when I was 19. So I like to throw that in there because although I was raised in a Christian home, I was a very nominal Christian for most of my life. And I wasn't pursuing Jesus. I was really just doing what needed to be done. And and my, we switched denominations. We switched churches. We went around a lot. And so I went to college, not really with a lot of faith. Um, and my junior, my sophomore year, God found me. um, And I found a campus ministry that really just loved on me. I like to say they loved me into a relationship with Jesus um, in that -hmm. campus ministry. And so that's Mm -hmm. when I I started my walk with Jesus was when I was, you know, really when I was 19. Um, And then when I was 20 and a junior in college, I was sitting in my apartment and I finished three years of college. I was, I had signed up for my medical entrance exam. I paid for it um, and I was going to be applying to medical school in the fall. Um, And then I would be doing interviews my whole senior year. And I was sitting in my room and I just, I heard, um the word syria just wrecked just going through my brain over and over and over again and i remember just thinking i don't i don't know what it means for god to call people you know i, I was a new christian and I thought this is weird i don't know what to do with this so i just wrote it in my journal went about my life didn't think anything of it and i went to my small group leader a week later And she said, Nicole, how are you doing? You know, how's life? Um, How's your abiding time? And how's your prayer life? I was like, you know, the weirdest thing happened. Last week I was praying and it was like, like Syria was just on repeat in my brain. And I don't know why. And isn't that weird? And my, my youth group leader or my small group leader looked at me and she said, well, did you pray about it? And I, and me as a new Christian, I was like, no, you know, I, I didn't know what it meant to get called. I didn't know what it meant for, for God to, to, to do that. And so I was like, oh, that's a wild idea. I guess I'll go try that out. So I went back to my apartment and I sat down and I said, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for me? And it was so clear. It was like, he was speaking to my spirit. I want you to be a missionary in the Middle East. Hmm. and. And I was suddenly not happy. And I said, God, um, you must have forgotten about the last three years that I suffered through organic chemistry and physics. And like, you must have forgotten that I'm so close to applying to medical school. Like, that's okay, God, you forgot all of that. I'll just remind you, I'm not gonna be a missionary. I'm gonna be a doctor. And God was just so steadfast so steadfast this is what i have for you i want you to go to the middle east i want you to go to these people i love them you you need to go tell them about me and for a whole month i just argued and i fought him and i pushed him and i said i tried to negotiate with him and i said okay god how about you know i do it this way and or how about i do it this way or or you know how about i do doctors without borders so i can still be a doctor but you know i can go and and or i can do this and and He was just so, thank goodness we serve a very gracious, loving God who puts up with our continuous whining as I just, I just pushed in after a whole month, I was sitting in my bedroom. I said, you know what, God, if this is what you have for me and you want me to lay down my dream and my plan and my future and to walk in this crazy plan that you have for me, then I'll do it, but I will not be happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said this to God, (laughs) but I I can still remember that moment, that moment that I did that. I was filled with all of this joy, this excitement Mm -hmm. that I can't explain as being but from God because I didn't want it. I didn't want to go to the Middle East. At that point, I had looked up the Middle East. I looked up Syria. I looked up all the countries there. And I was like, I don't want to go there. But in that moment, I felt so much excitement and all I could think of was I want to go and I want to tell all these people about about Jesus and about how much he loves them and about how he died for them and and they don't know and someone has to tell them. And I was just, I was so excited and I was so ready and I ran to my advisor um, and I told them I was dropping pre-med and she said, you're crazy. What are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. And I was super stoked. And I ran to my campus pastor and, and I told him and he got me in contact with people um, in a different nation because Syria is closed um, in a different country where I, where I have served now. And I talked with them and I was really excited. And they said, okay, you can come as soon as you graduate college. And I was like, awesome, let's do it. And I had all this this passion that, that Jesus had given me, um, you know, I like mm-hmm. to say he gave me like this little bit of heart is his heart for these people. Um, you know, just like giving me a, a little, a little <clears throat> drop of it. Um, and I just mm-hmm. ran with it and, um, I got to the end of college and I, uh, went into my financial aid advisor's office and was told I had way too much student debt, um, because secular, you uni- any university, is expensive (laughs) it costs so much money um and so the i told the missionary overseas and she said i couldn't come until i paid off more than half of my debt and i was so frustrated and angry and say god what are you doing and i found myself yet again in that uh, complaining and and not understanding and god in his graciousness just yet again spoke to my heart and said nicole It's not your time yet, this is back in 2016. Your time will come, but right now, just let me, I'll bring them to you. And he opened this door for me to work at the Refugee Resettlement Agency in my city. And I got to work with with Syrians and I got to work with Iraqis and I got to work with Iranians and Afghanis and Somalis and Sudanese. And and God just used this moment to, to grow my heart, not just for the nation of Syria, Um, because I still love Syria, but he used it as this opportunity to grow my heart for all Arabs, for all Muslims, and and just reminding me that God God does want one nation, but also he wants all 1.8 billion Muslims in this world to come to know him. He wants all of them, and so he used that time that I was working there, paying off my debt, to really just grow my heart for the, the whole people group. God's like, I, he's so big that I don't want to put him in a box and say just one like, okay, God, you want them all. Let me love them all like you do. And so it was a really cool, it was a really cool time. And, um, I paid off more than half of my debt in three and a half years. And then in uh, 2020 is when I went overseas for the first time.
1: You know, I, I have uh, tears in my eyes. That is so inspirational. Nicole is not just your story, your testimony it's just it's the delight of hearing your passion as you share this story and and uh, you know your choice of words about god throughout this you've you've said loving you've said steadfast you referred to his graciousness all of these are um, Things you have learned and deepened your appreciation for him, things you may have known, but you have discovered at a new depth. And then to see how God used you and opened the doors for you in ways you did not expect. So here, here you have, you've made this decision, which is really major change. Mm-hmm. And you have some people who are, uh, especially people in the academic world saying, you know, you've you've gone daft. I mean, you've lost <laughs> it. You know, you're crazy. You have other people, Christians and youth pastors who are very supportive and helping to line you up with uh, resources. But uh, this had to have been a major challenge also for your family. I know you come from a very loving family and, uh, and yet a devotion to medicine, your mom's a nurse. Uh, what was it like when you said I think I'm not going to medical school. I think I'm going to be a missionary instead. It had to have been adjustment for for everybody at home. As a parent, I would think so.
0: (laughs) You know, honestly, they handled it really well. Um, My my mom loves Jesus, and she told (laughs) me, you know, this is before she knew where I wanted to go. Um, She said, you know, Nicole, I want you to do what God has for you. And so if God has for you to be a missionary, then be a missionary. And she was so and is to this day, my biggest supporter, my mom is. Um, And, you know, she, she worries about me. um, Like I think any parent naturally would, um, Mm -hmm. especially when I told her where I'm going, and she was like, Whoa, (laughs) maybe somewhere else. And then she, you know, I was like okay, this is really what God has for you. But honestly, my whole family just embraced it. I was I was definitely worried about being even like disappointing them or disappointing people around me. Um, for you know, I was always this the smart kid and I had a plan and and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not gonna do that. And I was I was worried about that. But honestly, everyone in my family just jumped on board and was excited. Um, and my mom and my stepdad and my sisters and my brother, like all of them. We're just, you know what? This is what God has for you. And we're excited for you. And to this day, my mom is my biggest supporter. She loves uh, talking about what beautiful. I do. She loves um sharing about it. So yeah, it was, I was very surprised um, that it all worked out really well, but I do have a wonderful, I, I have an incredible family and they you, love on me well do. and they love Jesus. Yeah. And that just makes all the difference.
1: Well, I haven't had a chance to meet your family, but I know our listeners have joined me in saying we salute your mom, your stepdad, and the rest of your family for being so supportive of you. There's no better way to be to to stand with you as you made this major decision in your life. So we know that you've you've of course we're not identifying the country where you are going. You've said you had a heart for Syria, so we know it's uh, the Mideast East, and the Syria is not open to you. So you are you have been working elsewhere, but it's the this elsewhere is not known either for being particularly open yeah. to the gospel. And, uh, you know, I'm identifying with your mom right now saying, uh, where uh, <laughs> are, are you going? Do you, Nicole, do you, do you feel safe ministering there are, and again, without divulging things, uh, uh, are there things that you have to do differently and how you minister in this area than you would in an area open to the gospel, again, being careful what you do or don't say. here.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I never felt afraid my whole time there. I I mean, I, of course, living in a, I lived in a very big city, and there's a level of crime that comes with any big city, um, but Mm -hmm. I never felt afraid for my life. I never felt like I was in danger. Um, I think I would attest that a large amount to the team that I was a part of there. Uh, I served with, within an interdenominational team um, mm-hmm. because there's there are people there, but there aren't a lot of you know denominations there. Uh, so it's just collectively little, like one person or a couple from each church um, mm-hmm. that's there. And so I worked with an organization that works to bring together all these people and kind of focus together in a team setting. Um, And I think that was what helped me feel so secure there is knowing that I had people um, who had been there for 10 to 15 years, people who spoke the language fluently, people who had experience, people who um, could help me find an apartment in a safe city, people who could help me know how to get around. And um, having a team there made all the difference uh, in how I I felt um, going in. And so, yeah, that definitely helped me feel secure. Uh, Ministry looks different. You know, I'm, we, although it is not, it is illegal to convert um, to Christianity, it is not illegal to be a Christian in the country I serve in, if you are born a Christian like myself, or come as a Christian, as a foreigner. So I'm allowed to be there as a Christian. Um, I just, none of my friends can legally become Christian. Um, so because of that though, I have freedom to talk about Jesus. So I do talk about Jesus. Um, but I do it in a way of, I just bring, I just try and talk about him all the time and not in a you know, trying to process prost- prost- the fly that I, I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a natural, natural <laughs> part just, of
1: who you are exactly. rather than on a mission. Um, you know?
0: Exactly. Um, but I mean, we do have to, you know, v- use VPNs, which are like secure mm-hmm. networks um, tied will tie, right. well, tie them to the U.S. Anytime we use electronics, um, anytime I would log into my email or anytime I would have to look at finances. I would have to go through a VPN. Um, when we would do meetings, I would, we would put all of our phones in a separate room. Um, if we were talking about anything specific, um, things like that, we would, we would use a different jargon. We wouldn't use the same vocabulary. I would never say the word missionary. It's been weird saying it back in America, <laughs> um, but I would never say that word over there. Um, we use different vocabulary. I won't talk about my sending denomination i'll talk about i'll use a different word to say that um so we just have um like select vocabulary that we'll use as well in um our everyday speech in our texting with our friend like anytime we're talking we're using the selective vocabulary um, we're never using those more hot topic words i guess you could say sure. um, and then, in a sense, you know, it's
1: sort of undercover in a sense and that. It is. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and then as a woman, I, you know, I had to make the decision I didn't go out after dark. Um, mm-hmm. If I was with a friend, maybe if there was two of us, I'd be willing to come back, you know, right after um, dusk, but or dusk at night. Um, but I would never travel alone. I would never walk around my city at night. Um, I avoid I didn't have a lot of contact with specifically with Arab men um, just to be safe. And so things like that, you know, we, we did have to take precautions as a woman specifically, um, in, in how I acted around men and how I dressed Mm -hmm. and how I behaved, um, because all of that affected my ability to do ministry. Um, all of that affected my ability to be able to speak into the lives of women, which is what my ministry is there. And so I took extra precautions, dressing a little extra modestly, um, being a, you know, going to, not going to certain parts of the city alone, um, because I wanted to be able to minister and, and I was a representation of Jesus in those places as a Christian. And I knew that. Um, and so I decided to go that route and be, you know, a little bit more conservative or mindful of it um, because it could open more doors in the future um, for ministry. So um, yeah, there, I mean, there, they are very careful. We don't post anything on social media. Um, I, on my personal social media pages, you won't see anything about the work I do. Um, My, all of my my emails, I have a secure email that I send everything through. It can't go through a regular Gmail account. Um, And so I have to to make sure I keep up that secure email um, that provides that extra security. Um, so yeah, all of those things tied in <laughs> um, come into play.
1: Yes, well, I honor your discretion also and the wisdom that you're exercising doing this. We we consider you our open Bible ambassador to this group, <laughs> by the way. So thank you for representing us there. Now you are, I'm talking to the person who was one of those smart kids in school. Okay. So. All right. So, smart kid, how difficult is it to learn Arabic?
0: (laughs) You know, Arabic is the most difficult thing I've ever done, is learning Uh this language. Um, I will say in school, I excelled in science and math and English, and I struggled in Spanish. Um, (laughs) My only B I ever got in high school was in a Spanish class. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it... It makes, and that was
1: easy compared to Arabic. Yeah.
0: And it makes me laugh because I just think I'm like, you know, God, he just looked at me and he's like, what's the one weakness when it comes to to learning things and he found it and he said, language is it. Let's make her learn one you of the most difficult languages in the word. <laughs> I do, you know, and, and literally I, every word I speak, everything that's understood, every concept that I grasp, I give glory to God because I don't, I'm not naturally gifted in language. I'm not naturally good at it, but he shows up, he fills in the blanks. He gives me the ability to comprehend. And so I, everything I say, I give him glory. Um, it is extremely difficult. I study a lot. (laughs) Um, but guys, where are you?
1: Where are you in your fluency (laughs) level of fluency in terms of conversationally?
0: Um, I'm able to converse just fine. Um, I would say I have the vocabulary of like a seven or eight year old. Um, so I speak through the intellect of a 28 year old through the words of an eight year old. So, um, (laughs) that's, um, how I like to explain it.
1: It's
0: it's kind of hard to comprehend because I think like an adult, but when I speak, I don't have the words to explain what I'm saying. Sometimes a lot of times, I have days
1: like that myself, but that's
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, I, it's hard to put a percentage on it. I spend a lot of time learning how to read and write as well. Um, and so that comes into play in my abilities, I can read and write, just probably at an even lower level, um, like a six year old, <laughs> you know, so my reading and writing <laughs> is maybe a six year old, my speaking yeah. is like a seven or eight year old. <clears throat> um, and so I can engage in conversations. I can talk. I can, you know, if you heard me speaking Arabic, you wouldn't know that I oh, didn't always know what I yes. was saying. Um, <laughs> uh, because I, I, you know, I I know a lot of the jargon things and the stuff. Um, I just have a vocabulary. Um, made sure. two full years of language training, like straight through, um, and full full time. And so I, since I did a year, but since I took a little break in between, I may have to do. A little extra time um, in language learning to do a little catch up, um, but you know, he's God's getting me through. But Arabic has been the most difficult thing I've done in my life um, is learning this language. Um, but all for the all for Jesus.
1: Amen. And I now I know that you you said that the last time that you were in the Middle East that you discovered a key way to build relationships was by drinking a lot of what you said was strong, dark coffee and tea. Now, really, do you even like those things? Do you like that kind of... i don't i don't
0: like i don't drink coffee
1: (laughs) oh wow (laughs) so not only are you having to learn a language that you didn't know you're having to drink
0: yeah oh Oh, all for jesus all for jesus i don't even drink coffee with cream and sugar in it i don't even like the smell of coffee i oh i'm I'm
1: with you i know i i I feel your pain especially now
0: it's rough it's rough um oh wow you know they I drink tea. If I become good enough friends with them, I'll convince them to give me tea instead of coffee. Um, <laughs> but the country I'm currently serving in is a coffee country. Um, so I just, oh, wow. I drink it. I get, and I get very energized because I don't drink anything with caffeine. So they give me those little uh, shots of coffee, little cups of coffee. Yeah, and, yeah. and I get real you energized. Get your,
1: you get your buzz then from that. That's don't right, you? Cause you're I not do. used to caffeine. That's right. I do. <laughs> well, Tell us, how would you like people to pray for you specifically, Nicole?
0: Um, yeah, the first right now I am finishing itineration, and so just prayers for that to go well, for it to to have a good ending to it. Um, you know, it's been a really fun, hard, exciting time of itineration, and I'm my budget's not fully raised, um, so just definitely prayers for that for wherever that's gonna come from. I know God will provide and he uses his people to do that. Um, and so just prayers for the, the funding to come in. And um, if I'm supposed to leave in August for that to, be, to, for that to happen, and if God has a different timeline for me to be okay with that, um, whatever that looks like. And the second prayer request, I would say, um, as I'm getting closer to going back, <coughs> um, for me to be able to continue those relationships I started before, when I go back, I've, mm-hmm. I've tried to keep some of them up um, you know, here, but I can't have those in-depth conversations here in the States. Just prayers that as I go back, not only would my friends remember those conversations that we had, but they would have been thinking about and ruminating on um, those things that we, those topics we discussed, this time so when i go back i could just jump right back into those relationships and continue where we at with um, the discipleship and with the teaching and with the sharing um and that that would just be a continuation of the work that was being done before um mm-hmm. so yeah i'm mm-hmm. excited to see my friends um I'm sure. but i'm even more excited to get to continue to share with them about jesus and Thank so you. just that so they would remember those things that we learned and during my time that Um, that I was gone, that they would have found other ways to study, they would have found other people to study with, other missionaries would have been pouring into them, so that when I go back, it would just continue their process to learning more about Jesus and coming to know him.
1: I'm sure that there are some of our listeners here today that um, they're discovering uh, a new prayer burden today. I think there'll be people who, because of this, first time they've heard you, Nicole, are going to feel inclined that They need to start praying for you and supporting you in prayer. And I would just add to our listeners today also that uh, by the time you listen to this, I'm not sure when you're hearing this, Nicole may already be back in that country in the Middle East, and her financial needs will continue. She's still needing to raise that support. And if you would go to openbible.org and drill down to MVP, Mission Venture Plan, you'll find a place there where you can give and contribute specifically to help Nicole. Meet her needs, and I call uh, this uh, podcast we call "Better Roads" because there are many roads we all choose in life. We talked about one you were headed on, and, and God directed you differently. But there are many, many roads that we choose in life, and even you and your young 28, going to be 29 though age, <laughs> uh, you've you've had to make some big decisions, and you've talked about some of them. But as you look back upon your life. Um, what would you identify as some of the key choice decisions you've made? You'd say, you know, those were really pivotal. They were the good decisions because in large part, I am where I am today because with God's help, I made that kind of choice and chose that road. What what would you say that would be?
0: Yeah. um, The first one I would say my sophomore year of college, going all in with Jesus. I, I lived that nominal life, um, and I was content, I was doing not bad things, but I was living a relatively normal life. Um, mm. And my sophomore year when I decided to say, okay, Jesus, I'm all in, you know, what do you, let's, let's do this, let's study because I wanna study, let's go to church or, or go to small group because I wanna do it, let's pray because I wanna pray. And choosing, choosing that, even though it meant it meant giving up other things. It meant saying no to certain things and, and other things that weren't bad things. Um, but but we'll, being willing to go all in with God at that moment um, and, and getting past the, the comfortiveness, being comfortable in nominal Christianity, getting past that point and saying, that's not enough for me. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want more. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to go past that. That was the defined, That was the best choice I've ever made in my life. That was the dividing uh-huh. moment in my life because um, exactly. that's when I gave it all to Jesus. And that's when he started to run with it. And I didn't know where he was running with it. I didn't know which road he decided to take um, until mm-hmm. a little bit later, but um, that was the best choice. Um, and then the second one I would say was surrounding myself with people who love Jesus. Um, that I, I did that in college and that made all the difference. Being around people people who not only loved me, but loved Jesus. And because of their love for Jesus, they challenged me and they pushed me and they pursued me and they poured into me. Um, they, they challenged me to be, a, be my best self. Um, and they, they didn't let me stay lukewarm. They didn't let me stay, um, in my comfort zone. Um, and I realized that's that makes all the difference, you know, cause if I, if I love Jesus, but I love him all to myself, then i'm gonna Nicole is gonna be the one eventually running the show. <laughs> um and mm-hmm. but when I have people around me who who also love Jesus and also who want what's best for me and also have his heart, they're they're gonna push me to be better. They're gonna sometimes drag me <laughs> to be better. <laughs> um. And I recognized then that I don't ever want to go through life without community. I don't ever want to go through life without people around me um, who are pursuing Jesus. Um, and so that, that was the second best choice, I would say, after choosing Jesus was choosing to let people in, let people love on me, let people pour into me. Um, starting in college and all the way up through the ministry as a part of overseas and having accountability partners and having people there, um, that makes all the difference in in where I'm heading and in knowing that along the way, I'm going to be able to do it, not because of my abilities, but because of Jesus and because of people that He surrounded me, me with. He's saying he's got this so much that he even gave me some extra people to make sure I get there.
1: Man, what What an encouraging testimony and not only that that's good counsel but you know i think as we bring this to a close i want to ask you a very closely related question because there may be people today listening who have been also feeling some kind of stirring you know sensing that god might be nudging them to change course in following him uh, and what they do with their lives there anything you'd like to just say as a word to them today? This is, they're, they're sitting in front of you right now. What word of encouragement or suggestions would you like to offer?
0: Oh, <laughs> oh that's, a, that's a good one. Um, I think I would say it's worth it. Um, it's hard. I think I, I like to be real. I try and be real about life and, and choosing to go a different path, choosing to live in the fullness of God doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be hard, um, but it's worth it. And, and choosing joy in the midst of it is worth it. And it's it's so much better. And, and I really think um, we we see a small part of our story and God's in the background saying, I'm writing it. It's so much more. Just trust me and and walk in obedience and when we walk in that obedience it's he's going to do awesome stuff and it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because it's not, and it's it's going to be hard and it's going to challenge us and push us to our breaking point sometimes, but that's why you surround yourself with people who love Jesus so that when you are breaking, they're there holding you together, getting you back, getting you to him. Um, and he's there putting you back together in a much, much more beautiful masterpiece than you could ever have imagined. And at, you know, I'm not at the end yet. I have so many more years left to walk in this life but as i look back i'm like it was worth it every struggle every hardship it was worth it and i and i have to make you also i think it's important to make the decision to choose joy um, and joy isn't reflective of my emotions joy isn't reflective of what happens around me that joy is a, is directly related to god and what he's doing and how he is good you know, no matter what happens in my life, God is good. And that goodness does not cease in the midst of whatever's happening. And so choosing joy, when you choose to make a different decision or to walk a different path to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to choose joy, no matter the circumstances. And I'm going to surround myself with people who also love Jesus, and who are also choosing joy. And at the end of the day, it's worth it. And it's, it's exciting. And I have so much more joy and passion for what I'm doing right now than I ever would have thought of. Um, and that's because it's from God, it's not of me, it's of him. And so that's, uh, my advice.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Speaking of joy, it has been a joy hearing you today talk about to use your words, the awesome stuff, (laughs) of of what God will do in your life. And, uh, I just deeply appreciate what God's doing in you. So thanks for being a part of us today.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: And thank you for joining us today and being a part of Better Roads. I invite you to join us next time as well.
0: You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.